You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Milepost 48. I'm going to warn you today, we're taking the exit here. We're going to drive through town. Slow. We've been on the expressway all the way, going past three and four and five mileposts each time. This time we're going to do one. That's how important Galatians 3.13 is. I'm going to read Galatians 3.13 to you. Then we're going to back up and read the entire setting around it, okay? 3.13 says, Christ, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Being made a curse for us. Imagine, he who was nothing but holy, and righteous became a curse for us. It's almost unthinkable that something that unholy could happen to somebody so perfect. But that's the only way it could work for us. He had to be perfect so he could deal with our sins so he didn't have any of his own to deal with. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. I... uh, I always hated having to slow down when I went through town because I like to drive. Marietta, Oklahoma was the worst town in my, in my driving experience. You ever been to Marietta? Anybody here ever been to Marietta? Little bitty town. They want you driving 25 miles an hour everywhere. I said, I don't care to look around that much. Not here. Just kind of see in my county, we had a big rivalry with, with them, you know. I'd rather get through Marietta fast, get in, get out, you know. But you can't because you've got to slow down. You gotta, they, I guess they love their kids there. I guess. They don't want you to run over their children. Their children must be slow. All, all the signs say, slow children. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Get out of the way of the moving car, kids. What? There's a car? I guess. But here, here we're going to uh, look at this from a different perspective today. Back up and read verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles 
through Jesus Christ that he, we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now today I want to talk to you about the curse. Let's talk about the curse a little while, what the curse was, what the curse of the law was, what you have been redeemed from. The curse of the Old Testament was not some ethereal cloud, some unholy feeling God had toward you, or a feeling of gloom and doom. The curse was highly detailed and spelled out real plain. Yeah. Highly detailed and spelled out real plain. It's found in Deuteronomy 28. If you want to turn there and start with verse 14. There are 68 verses in this chapter. And the first 13 are all about the blessing that, that comes from the law. All the rest of it, the next 55 verses, are all about the curse. Curse is detailed really well there. Deuteronomy 28, verse 14 is where it starts. All the curses of the law were summarized and compiled into one chapter. Deuteronomy 28. It's called the second law. Deuteronomy means second law. Second law. You go through the law, and they summarize everything in Deuteronomy. All the curses that were in the law are put here in this chapter for summary. The blessings were 13 of them. 13 verses covered them. 55 verses it took to cover the curse. You know, we had not just fallen into disrepair. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We hadn't just messed up. We had messed up to death. Verse 17 is all about your finances being cursed. Verse 18, your children. If you, you want to try to put these up there while I'm doing it, it's all right. I don't know if you can keep up or not. Verse 18, your children are cursed, your crops are cursed, your cattle is cursed. Verse 19, your travel is cursed. Verse 20, your business is cursed. Verse 21, your land is cursed. Verse 22, your safety is cursed. Verse 23, your prayers are cursed. It says your heaven shall turn to brass. Even your prayers were cursed in the Old Testament if you didn't do right. Verse 24, your weather is cursed. 20, verse 25 says your battles and captivity are all around you and you cannot win. Verse 26, even your funerals are bad. You get, you, you get carried away by the fowls of the air. Verse 27, really personal maladies of every kind. You need to notice that word, emeralds. We don't want to talk about, about what we call that. Real personal maladies of every kind. Verse 28 says, your mind and your eyes and your emotions, panic attacks, blindness, Everything goes bad for you under the, under the curse. This curse was on you. It was on the Israelites if they, if they did bad. It was on us all the time, whether they did bad or good. Gentiles. Verse 29, no sense of direction, no friends to help. Verse 30, no commitment in marriage. She'll take a wife and another man will sleep with her. 
No sense of accomplishment. It's all part of the curse. Verse 31. No protection from theft. Verse 32. No protection from kidnapping. You're going to come and take your children away. Verse 35. Cursed in the knees and in the legs. Verses 43 through 44 say continual debt. Verse 43 and 44 say continual debt. It'll always be owned by somebody else. Verse 48, slavery, hunger, thirst, nakedness. This is a terrible curse. This is the curse of the law. Verses 53 through 55 describe something most heinous. Cannibalism. Men and women eating their own children. Cannibalism. The curse of the law. How many of you want to keep the law now? You want to attempt it? Verse 61. Also, listen to verse 61. This is a good one for all of us today. Also, every sickness and every plague which were not written in the book of this law them will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. Every sickness in the, known in the world is a part of the curse of the law. Every sickness is the curse of the law. Say that with your own mouth. Every sickness is from the curse of the law. Now let me ask you something. Now, how important is Galatians 3.13 to you? How important is Galatians 3.13 to you now? What does it mean that he took your curse? It means he took all that away. All that went away for you. Amen. God is no longer angry at anybody. Jesus became the curse for every one of us. And everything you're dealing with today has already been laid on him. You don't have to roll over and accept it. You can fight back by faith. Amen. Galatians 3.13 means a lot more now. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Redeemed, it says there in that passage. We've been bought back. You were bought back. God wanted you back, so He redeemed you, bought you back. Why is it so important to God to get you back? Because you were made in his image. And the devil has been running around planet earth for many years, thousands of years, with these images of God enslaved to him. Telling himself that he has won the battle, that he won over this, over this God. Because he has his image here, with a chain around his neck, and the other end of the chain in his hand. Leading mankind about, wherever he will. He led them for a little while with the, with the pharaohs. He led them for a little while with the Canaanite kings. He led them for a little while with this leader and that leader, that, that emperor and that. Led them, for, led them with the Roman Empire. He still leads them around in, with the Taliban and others. Wickedness, evil going on in the world. He leads the man about. Because it's the closest thing to God he can have. His man. Understand? 
But God sees it, sees it like this. He does not see you as his enemy. He sees the enemy as his enemy. He sees your enemy as his enemy. Are you hearing me? What I mean is, Anybody here ever uh, have any friends when you were a kid growing up who did mischievous things? I had friends that did mischievous things, and I was one of them. They did sometimes do things I wanted to end on, and sometimes, sometimes they did things I didn't want to be a, to be a part of. Let me ask you a question. Suppose you have a, had a friend. You walked into his house one day. Back in his bedroom, he had a picture of your grandmother up on, up on his wall, throwing darts at her picture. I said, y'all all gasped. What are you about to do? Any rednecks in the house? What are the rednecks going to do right now? What did you say, Larry? Going to knock him out. Larry's just going to knock him out right now. We'll, we'll talk about it after a while, but first he's going to get knocked out. When you wake up, we'll have a discussion. Right. We'll knock you out first. Yeah, why? Was he hurting your grandmother? Not at all. What was he hurting? Her image. Hurting her image. And you took it personal. Imagine how God felt when he saw Adam fall coming to slavery, coming to the, the dart throwing, the, the wiles of the, the devil became Adam's everyday existence. Having those darts, those fiery darts thrown at him every day. Imagine what, what God felt like. God had to buy us back. He had to come get us. He couldn't stand it any, anymore. But he couldn't just rush in because he'd already given authority to man. He couldn't just rush in as Almighty God and just say, All right, stop it! You hear me down there? Quit it! You! Stop! Couldn't do that. That's what the law did. He did, he did it that way and it didn't work. The law came saying, Stop that! But it didn't work. Why? Because it really had no authority. It did not have the power to change man. So God had to do something to get that authority back. God had to become a man. In becoming a man, he gained authority. Oh, listen to that. He gained authority to act like a man in the earth. This is why what Jesus did was so powerful. Because he was not acting like God in the earth. He was acting like a redeemed man. Amen. 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 So God could show a different picture on the earth. He, there's one that the devil didn't have control of. There's one that the devil did not have a hold of. Did not have bound. Until that day when he bowed his head and said, It is finished. And he let the devil kill him. You are the image of God redeemed back, the mirror image of God. 
verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham, what's the point of it? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Wow. Now, I know you've heard some of this before, but I have to keep rehearsing it, rehearsing it, rehearsing it with you because this is a big theme that runs through the entire Word of God. The entire Bible has this theme in it, if you look for it. I keep saying these things over and over because I want you to practice them. I want you to say them over and over for yourself. Because if you don't practice in the easy times, you'll try to get ready in the hard times, and that's the wrong time to go to boot camp. Wrong time to go to boot camp when you need to be on the battlefield. Battlefield is, is different from boot camp. But you need to be on the boot camp, in the boot camp before the battle starts. I was driving by Crabtree's house one day. He was our neighbor. at the farm just south of our, our farm in Oklahoma, in Love County. Drove by his house one day and looked back in his backyard because he didn't have any fences, you know, around his house, country house. So in his backyard, hanging from a rope was his prized pit bulldog. Hanging from, from a rope by his head. I thought that dog killed one too many animals. Those boys had three teenage boys and I thought those boys had got mad and killed that dog, hung that dog because he was still twitching hanging there just going, mm, 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 doing like that. I slammed on my brakes, backed up, and pulled up in the driveway, jumped out of my car and ran over there thinking I'd get a knife and cut him down, you know, how to save his life, because I knew if those boys had hung that dog, their dad would come home and kill them. I walked up there, and the closer I got to him, I noticed something. That rope wasn't tied around his neck. Bulldogs don't have a neck anyway, you know. <laughs> I noticed that dog, dog had a big old heavy well rope. We called them well ropes, big old heavy well rope with a knot tied in the end of it. That dog had that knot in his mouth. Oh hanging there this high. It, it, was, it, it was over my head. Yeah. Six foot high or more. That dog stuck hanging there. <coughs> growling at that grunting at that knot that he's got in his mouth. I said, what is going on here? And looked at the boys came out of the back door and saw me and said, hey, John, what are you doing? I said, what am I doing? What is this dog doing here? They said, oh, he's practicing. I said, practicing for what? Grab my throat, you know, thinking, that dog can jump. <laughs> What's he practicing for? He said, he's practicing because he's a fighting dog. He said, how he practices. I said, are you fighting him a lot? He said, no, but he, he didn't know. He just likes to stay ready. He just likes to stay ready. Never know when he might have a fight. So he stays ready all the time. And sure enough, in a minute, I said, how did you get him down? How did he get up there? I, they said, he jumped up there. I said, he can jump that high? He said, oh, yeah. I said, I don't believe that. Yeah, I'll put him up there. He said, no, you wait, wait a minute. He'll come down. I said, can you get him down? They said, no, he comes down on his own. <laughs> but I stood around there and talked to them for five or ten minutes. Finally, the dog got, got give out and let, let go and fell down. 
And we stood around there and talked. They said, got to give him a couple of minutes to get him, get him rested, you know, so he can jump back up there. I said, let's see. And they went, hey, boy, hey, boy. Did a little circle. And here in a minute, he jumped back up there and grabbed hold of that rope again. Went, <laughs> I thought I never saw anything like that in my whole life. Practicing for a fight. I don't care how good you think you are, you still need to practice. I've been practicing my whole life, and I'm in a fight for my life right now. And I'm winning, glory to God. Now let me tell you something. There are eight primary blessings we get from Abraham. He said the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. First one is this, the blessing of righteousness. Blessing of righteousness. Romans chapter 4 talks about that. I'm not going to have you turn there, but Romans 4, you can find it yourself. The blessing of Abraham, first of all, is the blessing of being made, made righteous by God, not by your own actions, but by the dispensation of imputation and the gift of God. The second blessing is the indwelling of the Spirit of God. He said that the Spirit might be... Did he say it right there? We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the blessing of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. You see, in the Old Testament, they had the Spirit, but not as a gift. They had Him as a helper. They had Him as a confidant. They had Him as a power to confront evil and to work miracles, but they did not have Him as a gift. He did not live inside every believer in the Old Testament. He came and left, came and left, came and left. But 1 John 2.27 says you don't have that kind of anointing. The anointing you have received came and stayed. Abides in you. He abides in you. He lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are where God lives today. Amen. Blessing of the indwelling Spirit of God. Third blessing of Abraham that come out, comes on us is the blessing of land. Genesis chapter 12 was a blessing that God spoke over Abraham about three times. Told him, this land is your land. This land is your land. You have the blessing of land. And Mark, Mark chapter 10 validates that for the New Testament believer. Listen to verse, chapter 10 verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, everybody say now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Everybody say lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Amen. It's God's will for you to have land. You know, it's the only commodity they're not making any more of. It's valuable. Fourth blessing, blessing of wealth. Genesis 13 says the blessing of, we of wealth. It carries over in the new covenant right here in 2 Corinthians 8. In verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he, he was rich, 
Every time that word rich is used in the New Covenant, it's talking about financially wealthy. Every time it's used. You cannot spiritualize this because yet, because it says, goes on, it says, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Jesus never came, became spiritually poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. I'm helping you with your faith today. Attach your faith. God wants you wealthy. He does not want you living in squalor. If you're wealthy, he can send missionaries around the world. When you have the money, God has the money. When you have the money, God has the money. Number five, blessing is the blessing of many descendants. I know some of you are of age, you don't want any more kids. How many amens did I get there? But you want grandkids and great-grandkids, don't you? So descendants are all your own children, but your descendants. Lots of kids, lots of grandkids, lots of great-grandkids. And this can also mean lots of converts. You can win a lot of people to Jesus. Blessing of many descendants. Number six, the blessing of a covenant of multiplication. He said, I'm going to expand you and extend you, make you many nations. This is a blessing on the church because the church has outgrown Israel a thousand to one, ten thousand to one, a million to one. Israelis constitute, listen to me, two tenths of one percent of the world's population. Less than two tenths of one percent of the world's population. The church equals just over a billion people in the world right now. Approaching two billion. The fastest growing religion in the world is not, is not Islam. That's a lie of the, of the devil. Christianity has, is still outgrowing Islam. Yes. Widespread. Amen. Islamic nations are turning Christian nations. Like in Indonesia. Number seven. The blessing of fruitfulness in old age. Amen. The blessing of fruitfulness in old age. Watch this. In 2011, the 100-year-old man, Fasha Singh, was declared the world's oldest runner to complete a marathon. Singh, a British citizen, is known as the Turbaned Tornado for his consistent marathon runs. Now he has decided that February 24th, 2013 will be the date of his final race. Following the Hong Kong Marathon, Singh will officially retire from competitive running. Although his status as a competitor will soon be over, Singh states, Running is my life. I will keep running to inspire the masses. I will keep running for at least four hours daily after that. The elderly man will be leaving behind quite a legacy for athletes old and young. In 2012, Singh was granted the privilege of carrying the Olympic torch on July 21st. He covered the London borough of Newham while surrounded by hundreds of supporters. Shockingly, he hasn't been running for as long as you might think. He took it up while in his late 80s. Amen. Amen. He's a Sikh from India. His name is Fauja Singh. He ran his first marathon at 100. He trained for 26.2 kilometers. 
He showed up at the race. He told him it was 26.2 miles. He ran in it. He ran it, went ahead and ran it anyway. Went ahead and ran it just anyway because he was there. And he was 100 years old. You can have fruitfulness in your old age. It's not over because you're old. Amen. Number eight is the final one, the blessing of authority over your enemies. The devil and his demons are your enemies. And Genesis twenty-two seventeen 17 says, The gate, he shall possess the gate of his, in, of his enemies. Matthew 16, Jesus said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. Gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. My family, brothers and sisters, all this is activated by faith. It's all done by faith. You believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth, it begins to activate it and make it happen for you. Romans 4, 16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. The only way to tap into the grace of God is by what you believe, not by what you do. Right. It is of faith so that it might be by grace. To this end, to this, for, this, for this outcome it really means the promise might be sure to all the seed. The only way God makes sure that everybody gets in on this is by making it, by leveling the playing field. Because some have better talents, better abilities than others, but we all have the ability to believe. Amen. He levels the playing field for us all by saying, make it a heart issue. What goes on in your heart is what, what counts toward making this thing happen for you. Not to, the, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now let me give you something quick right here. I have 15, point, 15 more points to make. Can you, can you stay with me? Just 15 more. Here they are. I teach a college course called The Principles of Faith. I teach it around these 15 points. I'm going to give them to you quick today, okay? You ready? Number one, faith was delivered to the saints by Jesus. That's the number one principle. The faith of Jesus was not a grin and bear it kind of faith. It was a dominating, overcoming, win every time kind of faith. Principle number two, Jesus taught faith to show us how to receive from God. Miracles and healing and provision and salvation are all part of it. Principle number three, faith is not a denomination or a set of doctrines. It's something that happens in the heart. Amen. You know, people say, what, of what faith are you? I mean, what church do you go to? What, what difference does that make? I'm not of a faith. I operate in faith. Amen. Principle number four, faith is a foundational doctrine of the Word of God. It means it, it's in every foundational it's, it's, it's in the list of the fruits of the Spirit. It's in the list of the gifts of the Spirit. It's everywhere. It's in, it's in uh, Hebrews 6, the foundational doctrines. It's everywhere. Principle number, number, number five. Walking by faith re requires walking without any sensual knowledge. I know a lot, a lot about this. You've got to walk not paying attention to what's going on around you. 
is contrary to what you believe. No sensual knowledge is going to help you get into faith. Everything in your senses is going to tell you to stop believing God. Walk by faith without any sensual knowledge. That what you remember what you see. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Principle number six, righteousness comes one way, by faith. It's the main principle of faith. Principle number seven, agree, agreement with God requires the action of confession. You cannot just say, I believe, I believe in my heart with what God says is true. You've got to say with your mouth what God says is true. Principle number eight, God is good and only does good. God is not against you. He's for you. It's like you don't have a right to beat your wife, guy, because she does something stupid. Even if she does something stupid, you, don't have, you do not have a right to beat your wife. I'd like a little more enthusiasm. God gave up his right to beat you when he made you his bride. Amen. Principle number nine. God must allow evil when men have made bad choices. God must allow the evil that comes when men have made bad choices. Principle number 10, blessings do not come automatically. It must be received by faith and obedience. Be received by faith and just doing what God tells you to do. Sometimes God will tell you to go to the doctor. Sometimes he'll tell you to go to a different doctor. Sometimes it'll tell you to stay home, read the word. Principle number 11, there's a difference between, receive, between receiving by faith and or through a manifestation of the gift of the Spirit. That's something that a lot of people get confused about this. You may receive a miracle, but that does not mean you're operating in faith. Miracles are come as a gift of the grace of God through the Spirit, you understand? But you have a right to healing apart from miracles, yeah. apart from manifestations of the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Because you have a covenant. And here it is, verse 12, principle number 12. The new covenant is a covenant of faith which began in Genesis. Yeah. Anybody know where? Genesis 15 and verse 6. It says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Principle number 13, every person is responsible for the quantity and quality of his own faith. There are five levels of faith in the New Testament. No faith, little faith, growing, growing faith, great faith, and all faith. Paul said, though I had all faith so that I could remove mountains. Five levels of faith. Principle number 14, the new covenant can only be understood in light of Paul's doctrine of faith. You cannot understand the New Testament at all until you understand what Paul taught. The new covenant can only be understood in light of Paul's doctrine of faith. Jesus told Paul what to teach, but he did not teach it himself very much. He waited till Paul came along to teach him how Gentiles should live. Amen. Amen. Principle number 15. 
Faith comes one way by hearing and hearing, or hearing and understanding the Word of God. So what do we what do we said today? We said a whole bunch, didn't we? This is what it means that the curse was laid on Christ for you. The curse, the curse was laid on Christ for you. What curse? The curse of the law. All that curse we read has all been laid on Jesus. So you can release your faith for healing today. Release your faith for salvation today. Release your faith for every good thing today. And he receive from God what you need. Amen. Hope you got something out of that today. Praise God.